In June 2015, a 21-year-old Westmoreland County, Pennsylvania man was arrested on charges of bloodletting and sexual assault. He allegedly not only convinced several underage victims to slice their wrists so he could drink their blood, he also engaged in intimate acts with a minor while they bled on each other from self-inflicted lacerations. It's a shocking case for a Pennsylvania town that's about as inclined to believe in vampires as it is the Tooth Fairy. But it's also a case that, remarkably, demonstrates the eternal life of the vampire myth. Whether it's history, crime, or legend, Stephanie Hoover has that story. Contrary to popular assumption, our fascination with vampires started long before the 1897 publication of Bram Stoker's Dracula. Stoker didn't invent the blood-sucking menace, but he did cement many of our modern fictional formulas. Today, mention the word vampire, and most people conjure visions of a suave, charismatic character living in an apartment-like crypt or a well-appointed mansion. Male vampires are often empathetic, fraught with guilt over their means of survival. Female vampires seem less remorseful, probably because they're usually young, and what woman, alive or dead, doesn't want eternal youth? 400 years ago, though, vampires held no charm or entertainment value. They were considered very real half-dead killers whose victims were usually friends and family. And it wasn't the dead themselves inhabiting their own reanimated corpses, but rather an entirely different form of evil. Demons who protected themselves from decay via involuntary transfusions of the blood of the living. Many historians and theologians propose that the church inadvertently created the vampire legend by warning the faithful that corpses of suicides were susceptible to demonic possession, religious oligarchs may have sparked the first fears of the living dead. Some published works suggest that in England, even into the early 1800s, suicides were buried at crossroads with stakes driven through their hearts to prevent their bodies from leaving the grave. Early Greek churches took this threat of possession even further by teaching parishioners that the dead bodies of excommunicated worshipers did not decay. Instead, they became vessels inside which demons could reside to prey on mankind. Scandinavians believed that the corpses of dead warriors were particular favorites for possession. Evil spirits took advantage of the soldier's strength and natural instincts to kill. The 1730s seems to be the decade when the myths of the blood-sucking vampire exploded throughout Europe. A myriad pamphlets and journals discuss the possible existence of these creatures, as well as how to eradicate them. It is through these reports that we learn the many differences between vampires of yesteryear and our modern creations. Unlike true blood, for instance, sunlight posed no threat to 18th century vampires, 
Both townspeople and country dwellers believed it was the time between midday and midnight that was the most dangerous. And these immortals did indeed sleep in their graves, not self-chosen hideaways. Since the soil was never disturbed, however, it was assumed vamps of old simply materialized in the upper world at will. Dietary habits have changed as well. For ancient bloodsuckers, both human and animal blood could sustain their needs, and there was little regard for moderation. Descriptions abound of vampires that consumed so much blood it poured from their noses, mouths, and ears, and even oozed out of their pores. Upon opening of their coffins, some vampires were found floating in blood. By the 19th century, many Western Europeans regarded vampires as silly superstitions, but belief had taken firm root in places like Poland and Hungary and Wallachia. The Wallachians in particular had an interesting method for detecting vampires. A young virgin boy rode through a cemetery on a jet-black horse. When the horse came to a grave he refused to pass, it indicated a vampire was buried beneath. This equine prognostication was confirmed by the disinterment of the body. Unlike a normal corpse, that of the half-dead had perfect flesh, flexible limbs, and its blood still flowed in liquid form. To prevent it from rising again, the body was decapitated and then reinterred. In other regions, though, decapitation alone was considered insufficient. The additional measures of a stake through the heart, followed by cremation, were required. At the dawn of the 20th century, most vampire stories and legends were confined to Romania and its surrounds. Here it was believed that every victim of a vampire became a vampire, making the threat exponentially more dangerous. It's also from this region that many of today's stereotypes spread. The pale complexion, extraordinarily long canine-like teeth, a vampire's inability to drink or eat human food, and, of course, the complete lack of a shadow or reflection. Today, vampires possess an unrelenting hold on our imaginations. Though hard to find, there are even vampire-friendly night spots for those who dress and act the part of the bloodlusting undead. Self-described paranormal investigators make pilgrimages to Dracula's castle. Hardly a month goes by without a movie or a book release with some root in the myths of the revenants that once terrified villagers and vicars alike. Our love of a chilling vampire tale is as hard to kill as the creatures themselves. And even if it died, it would only come back to life stronger and more seductive. Well, that's my story about the history of vampires, part four of my six-part Halloween celebration. Have thoughts or comments on this or any other episode? Visit stephaniehoover.com and share them with me. If you're a fan of Facebook, consider joining one of my two new discussion groups, Old Fashioned Crime or Ghosts, Monsters, and Myths. And one last personal favor, 
please hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. It's a simple act that has a huge impact on the growth of my podcast. As always, this is Stephanie Hoover thanking you for listening and reminding you, it's a crazy world out there, so till next time, be well, be happy, and be kind.